Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You can go out and catch apples falling from the trees. <laughs> Me and Howard are just flapping away, showing how big apple catcher knickers would be. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Bake Down podcast, where we will be discussing episode three of this year's Bake Off, Bread Week. I'm Sarah, and once again, I'm joined by Howard Middleton, Jane Beadle, and Dan Beasley-Harling, three amazing bakers who've not only been in the tent themselves, but who also run some delicious classes with us online at Bake With A Legend. And speaking of classes, we have our third Bake Along with the Bake Off class coming up this Sunday, where we will be doing pizzas with Rosie Brandreth. She'll be taking us through Bread Week's signature challenge, so head over to bakewithalegend.com to see all of our upcoming classes, including some brand new classes and some back by popular demand. And don't forget to use the code PODCAST for 10% off your next class booking. So it was bread week this week in the tent and a much smaller group than usual due to Rebs and Abdul being absent due to illness. Very odd to see only eight bakers in the tent this early in the competition, but we hope to welcome Abdul and Rebs back next week. We had a much more savoury week this week where the bakers let their cooking skills shine in a pizza signature challenge, a pano raisin technical challenge and a schmirgestarte showstopper. I'm going to apologise now for all of our pronunciation for the rest of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get stuck in with our signature, two sharing pizzas. Howard, are you a thin and crispy pizza lover or do you like deep dish? Oh, I like thin and crispy. Yes. Oh, definitely. I like, I mean, I do like, I'm not, not averse to a bit of a stuffed crust. I do like that sort of slightly thicker edge to it, but I definitely want crispiness underneath and, and bits that are charred and slightly breaking off as well. Dan and Jane, you two are both nodding in agreement. Is, uh, is this something you guys want to see in your pizzas as well? Go on, Jane. Ladies first. I go first. Oh, thank you, Dan. I'm no lady, I have to say. Um, <laughs> yes, I, I agree with Howard totally. I think there's nothing worse than a big, fat, 
floppy pizza, I think, with, with slightly undercooked or too squishy dough. Now, I never really liked the big old deep pan pizzas. They were very fashionable, weren't they, way back before Dan was born, probably. We had them in the 90s, I remember. <laughs> it's just that you look so young, Dan. I couldn't imagine that you possibly did. Thank you. Um, the retinoids are working, clearly. I know. Clearly, you've got a good filter on that camera this morning. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, definitely thin, thin and crispy, and I, I do love a stuffed crust, and I do. I have to confess, I don't know whether you get it in the US, but Domino's pizzas, and everybody goes, oh, Domino's pizza, shocking horror. That's something you should keep in a sec- as a secret. Well, I love a Domino's, and I love the crust dipped in there. Really disgusting, um, but utterly delicious chive and whatever cream, sour cream dip that they sent along. So there you go. I've just uh, given away my deep dark secret here. I have to say, I um, am not averse to a filthy Domino's pizza. My kids love them, but my husband will, he will literally, or if we order Domino's, he will order from somewhere else. He's not <laughs> down with that. Here. <laughs> He's like, I'm not eating that muck. So um, yeah, just to offer a bit of balance and impartiality to the podcast. Um, but no, I gen- generally, it will be no surprise to anyone that I generally agree with Howard and Jane on this one. Yes, I um, like something thin and crispy. And I did think um, it was particularly amusing. One of the feedbacks that we got, I can't remember who it was for without looking at my notes, um, said that their pizza was American style. And that was sort of like a slightly derogatory way of... Uh, referring to the pizza and I immediately thought of all our lovely American friends who listen to our podcast and wonder how they would uh, be taking that on this day so I hope that no one is um too upset about that one but yeah we're, we're not a huge fan of the sort of deep dish style across the water are we I think I am so I, I'll keep my mouth uh-huh. shut and we'll move on to the next question <laughs> pineapple on pizza this is something that I think divides many of us divides families nations parents and children uh, James clearly thinks it does belong, and I believe Sandro put a little bit of pineapple in his as well. Jane, does pineapple belong on pizza? Oh, no. It doesn't belong on pizza. It doesn't belong on gammon slices with the cherry on top, which is something that used to be done with. No, it doesn't. Being a pineapple belongs in a cocktail, in a dessert, in a really delicious cake with coconut, but oh, on a Pineapple, actually, I have to say this episode had me heaving in a couple of places this week. I really didn't like some of the combinations, but no. And and just to put pancetta on as a modern twist, clearly I didn't cut it for me either. It's just bacon. Pancetta's been around quite a long time. It's not exactly modern, is it? <laughs> as a child, I really liked Hawaiian pizza. It was my favourite type of pizza. Um, I, so I used to love ham and pineapple. I don't eat it as an adult. In one breath, I think people should enjoy whatever they enjoy. But uh, it's it's as you know, any Italian listening will be uh, screaming at the very thought of uh, sweet fruit on a um, on a pizza. But then we also saw figs on a pizza, didn't we? We saw other various sort of sweet toppings. Um, so I think it can work. But yeah, it definitely has a bad rep. The old pineapple on its pizza. I think Howard probably loves it, don't you, Howard? No, I don't actually. I wouldn't. I wouldn't choose pineapple on on a pizza. Do I look like I've got the kind of face of a man who likes pineapple on pizza? I just said that to wind you up. Sorry, Howard. 
I'm not the kind of person who would say never. Do you know what I mean? If someone said to me, try this, you know, you might like it. And I think, yeah, okay, that does work in those circumstances. So I prepare, you know, I'm prepared to be surprised, I think. But I do love, I had dished up at some, I play golf and people might have noticed. Um, And when you go away, play a competition at a, a different club, they will lay on refreshments at the halfway stage, you know, just to keep you all going for the second line. And somebody dished up a cheese and pineapple on cocktail sticks, which was very 70s, wasn't it? You used to stick them in a half-turned-up grapefruit because it was all very, very um, fantastic in those days. And I'd forgotten how much I absolutely adore cheese and pineapple together. (laughs) So, but maybe it's not on a pizza. You clearly came from a very classy neighbourhood, Jane. Um, obviously, I was far more working class. In in my day, it was a potato covered in foil that had uh, the cocktail stick stuck in. <laughs> so we did see a lot of sweet flavours. Kevin's Bring Us Some Figgy Pizza contained figs, uh, chilli jam, and a bit of balsamic drizzle. We also had something else on a pizza that possibly doesn't belong. Dan, what do you think about Janusz's full English breakfast on a pizza? Egg on a pizza, love it, okay? There's a, I mean, we've already started mentioning chain restaurants, haven't we? I think it's Pizza Express, where you get the one that's all spinach, and then there's a fried egg in the middle. Uh, well, it'd be, yeah, would it be fried baked egg in the middle? I like that. I'm a fan of that. Um, egg in the middle of a pizza feels a little bit special, a little bit exotic and exciting to me. You can tell I don't get out much. Um, so I quite enjoy that. I know, right? <laughs> but I've got to have some positives. <laughs> but, um, so I really liked it. But I think the feedback that they got for that was a bit bland. Because when he said about baked beans, I thought, yeah, baked beans, what are they adding? Probably not very much. I mean, I'm not averse to baked beans, but they're not adding much in the way of texture or flavour. Yeah, some of those um, notes would have been a little bit invisible, I would have thought. And that was definitely the feedback that they got. But yeah, I mean, black pudding, love black pudding. And I think some people are quite horrified by the idea of a blood sausage, especially people who didn't grow up in England. Um, but we, we, I think I think I rarely meet an English person who doesn't like black pudding. I've never had it. Do you know? No, Jane. Because when I was young, I didn't like the idea of it. And then we've just, I've just never had it. I must try oh, it. God, I love it. It's so good. It's so rich. It's delicious. You never had it with, with scallops as a starter? Or, no. You know, oh, no, never. Yeah. No, I've never had it with anything. Anything at all. Oh, Everyone round well. to Jane's next week for black pudding pizza then. Yeah. Pizza. I, I, maybe I had a little tiny bit of it when, because Candice, I think, put it in her sausage rolls in the final. So I might well have eaten one of those, but I just don't remember. We were all so busy. Oh, do you know what? It's absolutely wonderful. When you have a full English, just a little bit of it cut up and dipped in the runny egg yolk. Oh, my God. Heaven. So I delicious. Thank you very much. I'd have to what? Who yeah. is this woman? Get her out of here. No, no, I'm not a great fried. No, I don't want the sort of rubberiness of the white very much. No, so this is definitely going to be an episode of dividing opinions as we go through this. Have we even started talking about a bake yet? We're still just ranting <laughs> We're about We're still food. on topics. We're still on topics. But now you bring that up, Dan, let's talk about that. We didn't really get much of a sense of the different bases people were using. I believe James used 14% spelt flour in his base to give it a nutty taste um, and that wasn't really mentioned in his comments Shabira tried a 
what was it, a beetroot sourdough base that didn't seem to come off. Did we focus too much on the toppings and not enough on the bread? Howard, what do you think? I think I think it's a fair point. I mean, I think obviously visually you're looking at what you see on top. So I think toppings are really, really important. But yes, because we're not able to to then see what the base is, we kind of rely on the judges to tell us whether the base is a is tasty, it's crisp, it's got flavour or whatever. And um, no, I don't think we did to get our money's worth on that, really. Well, of course, it is toppings week. Um, so good job we focused on that. Um, yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. We didn't hear much about the bread. And obviously, that was kind of the whole point. I, well, I would have thought the toppings were the easy bit. The bread would be uh, the harder thing to get right. One of the things that interested me more, and I didn't think was touched on very much, was the stretching technique, which there was a quite an interesting variety of technique or lack thereof with some people just sort of furiously mashing it over metal pans and I think I only saw a couple of people stretching it in the way that I was I ha- was taught the way that I learned to stretch pizza which if anyone was paying attention to Shabira the way she stretched it that's the way that I was taught where you sort of spin it on semolina and give it like a, a fat edge and she did get some pleasing comments for the shape of her pizza but everybody else was sort of very glossed over and I just thought goodness the technique of making the bases maybe should have been better and I think yes the toppings were interesting and varied but I think the 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 number of pizzas that were just sort of amorphous blobs was um surprising and maybe that's just me being hyper judgmental but you know me by now well no I think I think that's all very fair I I was um spread mine out on semolina because it does give that lovely crunchy underneath and just yeah I think you're right I I think that's my criticism for the show in general actually is we didn't focus on the bread or the main part of the the task we we focused on the stuff that goes on it uh, and I was disappointed in that actually and you know I think it would have been interesting as well in, in talking about the pizza stone or some of them had perforated bases and what's the best way of doing it and how in a domestic oven, because they were all using domestic ovens, how you manage to get it crispy and what sort of temperatures you're working out. Because that's the thing that differentiates a homemade pizza between one that's done in a, you know, either a, a, pe- a proper pizza oven or a commercially made pizza supplier like Domino's um, is, is the heat. And I think that would have been really useful to have talked about that rather than just picking up somebody's bit of pizza and it flops over like that and going, oh, well, that wasn't cooked well enough or it's too thick. Yeah, I don't think there was enough information. I, I completely agree. I mean, we have seen pizza before, but I believe it was a technical challenge a few years ago and it was just a margarita. There was much more looking at just the technique of making the base, as we've just spoken about. Howard, were you going to say something there? Yeah, I was going to say, I think the other thing that was glossed over was that from our experience, I would suggest that they were the judges were eating cold pizza because it's probably been hanging around quite a while. So, the the I mean, I'm nothing against a cold pizza. You know, I'll quite happily dive into a cold pizza. But it does have a, a different quality in terms of it will affect the, the kind of um, the base and so on, the the rigidity of the base and um, 
it, it will get a bit softer. So, Top tip for anyone who, like me, loves to eat leftover pizza the next day, just throwing it out there, there's nothing to do with Bake Off. If you just put it in a dry frying pan under a low heat and just leave it there for sort of like five minutes until the cheese on the top just starts to look a little bit melty, you'll get a lovely crisp bottom again and it'll really refresh it. Um, but you definitely don't need any oil in the pan because it's already greasy enough. But um, yeah, just a little top tip because I discovered that it changed my life. Same here. When you order, because you can get buy one, get one free extra large Domino's pizzas on a Tuesday night. God, Jay, this is not an advert for Domino's. <laughs> so <laughs> Domino's I am open to sponsorship here. Um, it does crisp up brilliantly in the pan. It, it's fantastic. So you can have it for lunch and dinner the next day. Oh, <laughs> the Bake Down podcast, next week sponsored by Domino's. Goodness me. <laughs> we all love a takeaway. There's nothing wrong with that. We had some meaty flavours as well. Uh, Sandro's, I think, was was received quite well by the judges, despite Prue saying it was a bit messy to eat. His uh, sweet and spicy barbecue chorizo pizza heart-shaped pizza with a camembert and honey stuffed crust oh that sounds absolutely divine um maxi as well had a sweet rosemary lamb pizza and dawn with her tex-mex pizza something i thought was rather odd from paul that i wondered if you guys might like to discuss is he said that um minced beef would have had more punch to it rather than the stewing steak what do what do we think about that comment well, I think, so the point of the stewing steak is, I mean, it's become, it used to be a cheap cut of meat, but it's become quite trendy these days because people want to do slow cook, slow cooking has become very sort of fashionable. Um, but the point of it was it's a cheap cut of meat that you cooked for a very long time and that made it lovely and soft. But she didn't have a lot of time. So I think Paul was dead right here. Like it would have just been better to have just fried up some mince. It would have had a similar flavor and it would have had a better texture. That's, um, I, so I think that was correct. Um, but sometimes you just get blinded by, you know, your idea of what you think would be wonderful. Now, someone that I did think was wonderful, and maybe it was just me, but it was Carol. Now, Carol is, as we know, insane, um, but she does have some really interesting flavours. I love some of her flavours, and she had the, what was it, the washed rind cheese, the Reblochen. That's not one that I'm particularly f familiar with, but anyone who follows me on Twitter will know that I rarely shut up about Epoise, which is one of my favourite washed rind cheeses. And I don't think that they're available in America because they're, or generally, because they're unpasteurized, because they're sort of washed in a brine that causes only a certain time of uh, type of mold to form on them and it makes them smell like old sneakers old trainers like they really stink of feet um but they are absolutely delicious and i really wanted to eat carols it didn't look amazing but oh my god i was salivating looking at that so i was i was excited actually to see what else carol will give us in terms of flavors because she seems very well traveled doesn't she she does indeed um howard i know you're a big cheese fan what did you think of carol's tartiflette pizza Yes, I, I I agree. Oh, it sounded. Do you know this was one of those episodes where you think, "Oh, I wish I was there to to taste some of these." You know, I've not got a sweet tooth, and the the fact that you've got basically savoury for both the signature and the showstopper, I thought was was amazing. My heaven, this week! Absolutely, Jane. Were there any toppings that really stood out for you? Well, I just want to talk about Carol. So yes, this is the Carol part of the show. <laughs> it just made me laugh so much when she was being interviewed. And she said, I've got me lucky big pants on, me apple catchers. I what does that mean? <laughs> what? 
You can go out and catch apples with falling from the trees. <laughs> Me and Howard are just flapping away, showing how big what? apple catcher knickers would be. Clearly, Carol. Uh, clearly, Carol is um, yes in good company there. Because, dear listeners, you should see Howard. <laughs> be wearing. I must point out, she wouldn't be wearing them at the same time. She's <laughs> taking them off in order to catch the apples. <laughs> oh, yes, she is. Oh, yes, she is. Anyway, made me laugh. I love her. And, and just going back to her pizza. Um, uh, my daughter's partner is Italian. We were talking about focaccia. And just around the corner from where they live, they have a shop that does lots of beautiful focaccia and they do a potato focaccia. And it's like carbs on carbs. How does that work? And we tried making it here. And actually, the potato on the bread goes brilliantly. So I would have loved to have had Carol's because I I adore cheese. And the potato on it as well as the tartiflette, I think, sounded brilliant. Um, She just did what I always do and put much too much toppings on my I would, for my choice, I would have liked Kevin's, I think, except, except I think he went too sweet. I think the chili jam and the figs, I think he possibly needed, um, I don't know what cheese he put on there, actually. I haven't made a note of that. Halloumi, halloumi I think. Yeah. Oh, no, see, I wouldn't have wanted that. Halloumi goes rubbery, doesn't it, once it's gone goes cold? Goes what? Rubbery. Rubbery. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, rubbery oh, sorry I've watched a lot of royal stuff this week and you know a lot of them not very good with their R's are they rubbery I was fortunate enough to be asked to judge be one of the judges in a lovely competition we have here for kids in the whole of my county and one of the challenges they had was to make a pizza and the girl that won overall she was she was the most delightful I think she was 13, made a walnut chili jam and rock for pizza with rocket on the top. And the rock floor and the chili jam with the crunch of the walnuts was absolutely delicious. And I think Kevin's just needed something a little bit, a little bit saltier, saltier and with a bit more flavour, I think, than halloumi to cut through the sweetness. Blue cheese would have been great, actually. You're right. Um, But one thing that did make me unreasonably angry was the figs that all rolled off. I just feel like if they're not attached, like things that are cumbersome to eat really fill me with rage. And um, just the fact that they were picking up the pizza and all the figs were just rolling straight off it. I just thought that was it just didn't work. That would have aggravated me. So um, I'm surprised they didn't moan about that, considering we had a lovely shot of the figs falling off both pizzas as the judges uh, picked them up. So um, I I wonder how we could have done that better. Sliced, instead of done it in quarters or eighths. If you put slices of it, it, one, it might have looked prettier, and two, they would have cooked down in the time a bit more and perhaps gone a bit stickier. And if he had, had... got a blue cheese or something a bit more melty rather than halloumi it would have possibly stuck and become incorporated in that as well it needed work but i like the basic idea of it one thing i particularly enjoyed about uh sandro was a couple of the things he said which is uh how would you ungrease he sort of a lot of them had greasy pieces at the end and i think it was matt said how would you ungrease a pizza and he said in the same way i would ungrease my forehead with a little bit of dabbing and i just <laughs> It really brought a lump to my throat in terms of I was nearly sick when he said that. Um, but it did make me chuckle at the same time. It's like when you're thinking about eating and you're like, eh. um, but um, 
but he did make me laugh. And I think Sanjo is a, is a kindred spirit for me now. And I really enjoyed the fact that he said, I'm positively glowing. Maybe it's just my foundation. And I thought... <laughs> <laughs> Look, I highlighted that very comment. Yeah. <laughs> I like Sanjo. He's really growing on me. Um, yeah, he's really fun. He's got a really great sense of humour. I really like him. We didn't mention Shabira, though, did oh, we? Oh, no. Shabira did well. Oh, we should have. Yes. I, so I think she got... I, I must admit, Malaysian prawn, fine. Sambal, fine. Stinky bean... I did just, I mean, well, that didn't didn't set me alight. A beetroot juice in the sourdough, that didn't set me alight either. So although they seem to really like it, it didn't do anything for me at all. Stinky bean might be, like, have you ever had stinky tofu? Like, it's not, it's sort of like partially, like, fermented. It's not necessarily, and they tend to wash it before you, they sort of part ferment it and then wash it. So, like, kimchi is f- fermented, isn't it? You know, it's not necessarily unpleasant but yeah the name is not particularly attractive is it um hi would you like to try some of my stinky bean i think i'm good actually i think i'll leave it keep your stinky bean to yourself love i think it's like asparagus i think it's just got that same quality that asparagus has oh maybe well i shall be searching out stinky beans in my local sainsbury's see what (laughs) i can find Moving very swiftly on uh, to our technical challenge this year was a panorama. Now, straight away, is it a bread? Is it a dough? Is it a pastry? What What is it? Jane, what is a panorama really? Oh, well, I suppose it squeaks in because you do make a yeasted dough to start with. I've got a lot of comments about this challenge, um, which I will <laughs> Anybody else would like to join in too. Um, you make a yeasted dough, an enriched dough at the start. Um, there were some issues, weren't there, about what do I do with the butter? Well, I, I tend, you don't melt it in, you rub it in, you only put a bit in. And then you leave it to rise, which I don't think any of them did. You leave it to rise for a, a while um, before you start doing all the work. So I think it's a cross between a pastry and uh, a bread so it's danish pastry we did it oh did we do it in patisserie week i can't remember which week we did it in i i I lose track of all the names um but yeah technically i think they could have found a better or a more appropriate challenge for bread week i think it's i think definitely this week they were sort of scraping around for challenges to make to be a bit different so Love a pan of raisins. My husband's favourite Danish pastry, but not sure it was appropriate for bread week, really. Yeah, I was kind of agree. But then also I thought it was a great technical. So I don't know if it really fit the theme of the week perfectly. But I thought as a technical, I thought it was really good because there was a lot of technique involved. And that's what I personally enjoy from a technical, is seeing lots of technique. And um, we know that obviously Paul uh, has a great pan raisin recipe. And I believe, Jane, you were talking about how wonderful his pictures were in his recipe book just before we started this podcast. Well, I'm obviously probably not his most favourite person anyway, and none of us are after these podcasts, but Frank, Frank. Don't drag me into your mess. Thank you for winding me up. What What's said before the podcast should stay before the podcast, but um, as, you've, as you've wound me up now, um, <laughs> both in his cookery book, which I have here, and his online recipe, because I checked online as well, oh, my goodness, you should see the tales on those. 
There what were a hypocrite. What a hypocrite. More tails there than there were seen at the royal funeral, frankly. I mean, it, I mean, he just got tails. Too every- soon, Jane. Too soon. Oh, is it too soon? No, it's weak. <laughs> We could do that. There are tales everywhere in, in his recipes. And also, one thing he stressed our week, we made Danish pastries in our week, and I made panna raison. One thing he stressed is everything should be glazed. You should glaze them, even if you're going to ice them. You glaze them. You put an apricot glaze or something over the top of your pastry to make it all shiny and gorgeous. And he wasn't insisting on that either. I mean, it's just... Oh, Howard... Howard always talks about inconsistent judging. I just think this is inconsistent baking. It all annoyed. It annoyed me. The whole thing annoyed me. You have to be fast and accurate. Well, you do because you're only given two hours and 45 minutes to do it. But you look at any decent recipes and it's leave this to rise for an hour. Chill this for half an hour. Chill it for another half an hour. Chill it for another hour. Now leave it to rise for two hours. Now bake it. And you're already your five, six hours down the line. I just wish they'd mention that sometimes because somebody is going to make... Danish pastries at home and think, oh, they look gorgeous. I can do it in two hours and 45 minutes. Um, And then all your butter oozes out and um, they taste dry and they're unappealing and then you never make them again. I mean, I think at some point you ought to say, don't do this at home. Um, I just, oh, I just think it was such a shame that they don't tell you a bit more about the theory behind making something like a Danish pastry, pastry, because you shouldn't rush it. Um, and although you can get away with it, it's a really tough one. So you've set me off, Dan. I know. Sorry. Can I ask you guys' opinion on something? Um, so when they were talking about the tails, obviously everyone got anxious about the tails because it was the one thing that Paul actually said. And he never, act- well, in, our, in my theories, he never gave any actual advice. So he said, like, oh, we really don't want to see the tails. I never tuck the tails ever. What I tend to do is on the bottom, when I'm rolling it up, I just use, whenever I'm rolling anything up, I just use a bit of water on the bottom and put no butter on the bottom bit and use water to, like, stick it together so that the dough will stick to itself. And then, as they said, just give it a nice long proof. There was lots of people tucking the tails underneath. And I think because they just really didn't want this to come out. I've never done that. No, okay, because I—that's not a thing that I ever do. Do you guys do that? And Howard, Sue, obviously, no, no. I don't. No, I, I stick it down. You can stick it down with a bit of water, um, and yeah, and the proof. No, I never tuck the tails underneath. Because I would have thought, as they prove, they kind of like if anything, it'd puff up, wouldn't it? It wouldn't doesn't make any sense. I, I felt sorry as well for whoever had done the kind of exemplary bake that they're sitting tasting, because Paul's saying we don't want tails, and there's one there with a little tail poking out, and you think, oh yeah, you've got one right at the side of you. The, what the ones that Paul made? Well. This this was I, I might as well get my humble out of the way because he, he actually admitted as he's tucking into it he says I'd forgotten how good these are yeah. which more or less proves you've had nothing to do with this have you. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness i mean i don't know how much we really want to say about this uh but yes it's uh yeah you're like i think there was one week he said what was the last thing you baked it was like oh blueberry muffins a week ago and i'm like oh you didn't make the technical then did he for he doesn't do them of course they don't rather giving the game away there well there is a whole food team ready to assist you know um but they are the, i'm sure they're their recipes but um yeah I, I don't know if they uh make them for the moment they're far too busy concentrating on looking beautiful and 
exercising their advice muscles before they go on air, I'm sure. <laughs> it must have developed the recipe some time ago as well then by that token, mustn't it? Uh... He's very efficient, Howard, very efficient. Is he right? Okay, use this one that I did five years ago. Actually, that was interesting because when I looked in, in his book, the, the panoramic that he's got in there do take over 24 hours to make. So it must have been a, a different recipe to the one that's published in his book. I don't know how people do this. So Rosie, uh, who works with Bake with the Legend, she does a croissant that she makes in like two hours. And I do not know how that is possible. That's the same kind of dough as a Danish pastry. And like you say, some of them take 24 hours. My Danish pastry, if I make it, will always sit in the fridge overnight. So I don't know how anyone is doing them in two, two less than three hours. I mean, that makes no sense to me. I can't, I think, I do kind of feel like they're setting them up for failure. I mean, obviously they want, they can't do it over a day, but how can they also get a good result in that time? I don't know. Well, let's talk a little bit about the technique here, because you've mentioned that it is a yeasted dough that we start with, but then we see a lot of butter, fridge, chill, roll, chill, the way we do with any laminated pastry. So, Howard, how exactly are they supposed to get lovely, crispy, yet risen pan raisin what would your technique be if you were doing these well i think i mean i've done i've done puff pastry uh rough puff pastry quite quickly that you can do it if you you know you can chill in the freezer which which will help to uh, to cool it down you can actually avoid some of the chill in between layers so you can you know do a couple of folds and then chill and in, as long as you are keeping that butter cold so that when it hits the heat of the oven um, it's not going to melt immediately. You'll probably get away with it. So there are, there are shortcuts, but it is really difficult to to be able to get that that fat, the butter, to be cold enough so that when it hits the heat of the oven, it's not going to just melt all over the place. The tricky thing with doing that, though, in my experience, and maybe this is just the equipment that I'm working with, is that if you use a freezer, sometimes you, your butter gets so cold that then when you start rolling it out again, the butter all shatters and then you lose a lot of the lamination. So I think it's really difficult. I mean, maybe if you're on top of your game, um, like Howard is, uh, maybe that's uh, manageable. But for me, um, <laughs> I find that far too challenging. Um, but maybe if you've got every second to babysit it the whole way, maybe it's possible. But yeah, that's. I think it's difficult whatever way you do it, surely. So a bit of a tricky one, definitely. Um, a few people had some trouble with butter leaking out, I believe. Kevin, poor Kevin, seemed to struggle the whole way through uh, from saying he can make a creme pat with his eyes shut and then it being a little on the runny side, not using a proving bag. He definitely did struggle this week. Uh, Carol as well, also batch baking in a way, her panorezin rather than spreading them out. But Maxi and Janusz were first and second, respectively, uh, with Janusz coming first, having nice, tall and wide panorezin, good flavour and a good flake. What sort of technical challenge would you guys like to see in Bread Week? I mean, Dan, you've mentioned this is a good technical, maybe not for Bread Week. What sort of other things would you like to see us fo focusing on the bread in uh, in Bread Week? Jane? 
Oh, the tricky one, isn't it? You put me on the spot now. But something bready. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, we've done it before. Oh, they did it a couple of years ago, didn't they? But uh, the babkas, some of the more interesting bakes that are definitely bread or um, something with an enriched dough, but then that's going to push them up against on time. Or the platting. Why don't we repeat a platting again? Because that's something there's some so many interesting shapings of the dough that could have them really struggling just by descriptions um so something more bread like i think it's about the texture of the bread isn't it for me bread week which i don't feel that we had in the signature um and to be honest i know we're not talking about showstopper but i don't feel we necessarily had in the showstopper either so i don't feel it was a proper bread week i'd like a really good bread challenge i think Yes, I think that's true, actually, Jane. I think every challenge, the bread aspect was not the star of the show. And that does rather defeat the point of Bread Week. But this Bread Week did give me something much more important than that, which is a new favourite contestant. Um, And that is Dawn, who said as she was making her creme pat, she said, the secret is, don't be scared of it. Treat it with absolute contempt. And I just thought, (laughs) I just thought, Dawn, you and me. (laughs) <laughs> I see you, girl. I see you. So she is my new favourite contestant. I'm all about Dawn now. You don't just limit that to creme pat, though, do you? <laughs> no, just everything in life. <laughs> but I love Dawn. I love her. Uh, we're going to be best friends when this is over, I'm sure. Oh, good. Um, <laughs> she might run a mile after this stuff. <laughs> Well, before we go on to our showstopper challenge, let's take a couple of questions. Thank you, everybody who sent in some questions for our lovely bakers. And let's dive straight in with one now. The first question is from Hermione and her grandma Rita, all the way in Maine. And they say, we love baking together as grandma and granddaughter, and we learn a lot from each other. Is there anyone you've learned to bake from? Dan. Yes, I have learned to bake from Jane and Howard. They've taught me everything I know, which is why I know nothing. Um, So, um, no, (laughs) Um, in all seriousness, um, so my mother obviously taught me some rudimentary bakes um, uh, when I was young. Um, But honestly, um, Bake Off taught me a lot. Um, the internet taught me a lot. Um, there are various pastry chefs um, that I particularly enjoy. I don't think it will add much to, to sort of single them out. But the great thing about baking is it's a journey that you can take even without direct guidance. There's so much information out there. There are so many um, sources of learning that, you know, it's it's really open to anyone, uh, even if you didn't have, um, if you even if you weren't lucky enough to have a grandmother who knows how to bake and can teach you everything she's learned. Um, so, yes, my mother taught me a bit, but most of the most of what I've learned has been from things like I mean really Bake Off's what got me into baking to be honest so yeah for as much as we like to rip it to shreds you know um, but for our own amusement um, it's you know it's a great tv program for inspiring people to get baking and um, you know I credit my appearance on Bake Off uh, to Bake Off so yeah. (laughs) Howard what about you is there somebody you've picked up tips and tricks from over the years? Yeah, I think I think I've probably said before about my mum. Certainly, in terms of basics, sort of bread and cakes, pastry. Although she's not very good at pastry, but uh, yeah, that's um, that's her cross to bear, isn't it? Sorry about that. Um, but yes, I think uh, read her, I, Howard. I think, read her. 
I think also, uh, as Dan said, you know, watching people on TV, you know, books as well. I've, I've always bought kind of baking books and, you know, long before Nigella's How to Be a Domestic Goddess, which I, was one of my first kind of baking books to buy, uh, possibly because I just fancied the idea of being a domestic goddess, I think. And you are, Howard. You absolutely are. Thank you. Jane, what about you? Well, I, I was a bit like the, the others. You know, the internet these days is amazing, isn't it? So uh, we continue learning. You don't stop learning. You Even at my ripe old age, you continue learning. There's always something. But I was fortunate enough in that my grandfather had a bakery and so my dad taught me quite a lot he was really into decorating and bits and pieces like that so it would always be dad that would ice the Christmas cake and very often make the Christmas cake and certainly do our birthday cakes I mean sadly the bakery got sold when I was about six or seven so I didn't really get into learning much from them it's just um, sampling all their delicious baked goods which I've talked about in the past as far as books are concerned, Delia was fantastic for me. I think Delia helped a lot of us cook and bake, and her Christmas baking book is still um, my favourite one at Christmas to dig out and, and get a bit of inspiration for. And I'm sure all of you all over the world have heard of Good Housekeeping. Good Housekeeping, tried and tested, four times proved recipes and all that have been amazing. So if you're in any doubt about whether a recipe is going to work and you're a new baker head to good housekeeping because they really do work. They aren't just churned out after one trial and lots of fingers crossed. They're a very good place. So there's so much help out there. Um, I, I just love it. I just love YouTube now because people will show you all sorts of exciting things and techniques that you can't quite understand in books. So I think we're in a very... We're very lucky now to have all of that social media and all that wonderful stuff at our fingertips, but I still love a book. I do still love a book. So bearing all those answers in mind, let's have a look at the next question from Julia in Surrey. And she says, I wanted to ask the bakers, if you could all have a masterclass with one chef or baker, who would it be? Jane. Oh, gosh, I really don't know. Um... A very rare moment, listeners, where all our bakers are completely silent. How about me, Jane? Would you like to have a masterclass with me? Well, as long as it's not macarons, Dan, I'd be delighted. Uh, <laughs> um, well, two, can I have two bakers? Go on, then. Can I have one, one for bread? And that would be Richard Bertinet, or Bertinet, whatever, because he is amazing. Um, and one from the other side of the world, because she is patisserie queen in Australia, and that's Kirsten Tibbles. There you go. She is amazing, and they do the most fantastic stuff um, over there. Oh, I can't remember the name of her cookery school now, but she is fantastic. So, yes, if I could have two, I could have the bread end and the, the sweet and very decorative end. They would be, they would be my two. Howard, what about you? Yeah, I'd, uh, after um, I'd done Bake Off, some of us uh, from our year went and did a, a day with Richard Burton here, which oh, was wonderful. Yes, it was lovely. We, we booked ourselves there. It was, it was fantastic. I really, really enjoyed that. Um, so that's one ticked off. But yeah, I'd, I'd love to. I'm, I'm, I'm quite easy. I'd, I'd learn from anybody. I'd happily... Uh, you know, have a day with with Delia or with Nigella. I think, yeah. Dan, anybody stands out for you? Oh, I'd like to hang out with Nigella. 
I would love to go to one of her dinner parties. Um, no, but my in terms of um, sort of pastry chefs who I like, um, I really like um, the Canadian pastry chef Anna Olson. Um, she's just sort of the very similar style to me, which is just sort of classic stuff executed well. Like, that's what I enjoy doing. And she's sort of brilliant at that kind of stuff. And I've learned a lot from Anna Olson over the years. Um, so yeah, probably her. And again, and mainly just because I want to hang out with her. And I love her kitchen. If you ever watch her program, I mean, I'm sure it's a work kitchen, although she sells it as a home kitchen. She's got like six ovens and like, you know, like it drawers with built in ingredients all in them. And I'm, this is like my dream kitchen. I just want to go hang out with Anna Olsen. Um, so yeah, she, um, yeah, she's a bit of a hero of mine. So yeah, I learned a lot from her. Well, thank you guys. And thank you to Rita, Hermione and Julia for your questions. And thank you for everybody who writes in a question for us. Keep them coming in. You can send them to thebakedown at bakewithalegend.com. And next week we could be reading your questions on the podcast. Right. So here we are, showstopper in Bread Week. And we had the mighty torta, which I believe is a cake made out of bread and sandwich ingredients. Now, we've spoken earlier on in the podcast about bread not really being the hero of this week. Howard, do you think that was the same thing again? Do you think we saw more toppings than bread? I think so, yeah. I think um, it's basically, going back to the series one where I think where they had to make sandwiches, um, as as one of the <laughs> the exercises, um, but this is obviously sandwiches on a grand scale, isn't it? Turning it into a cake. But yes, I think I think it was a, a little bit disappointing that we didn't get to kind of see a a bigger variety. I think in in terms of the bread, it was um, the, the some of the filling sounded amazing though. Yes, we had a variety of fillings, uh, some of which I think he, you guys are going to really enjoy, and I think some of which you guys are going to pull apart. Jane, you made a not exactly lovely face there when I talked about fillings. Was there anything that really did not float your boat? Oh, God, frankly, most of them. Uh, it's really not my thing. I Oh, God. I really hated this challenge in so many ways. Um, Tell us how you really feel, Jane. It was fine. The challenge was absolutely fine. Um, (laughs) Oh, God, really not much bread. I mean, at one point, um, poor old Dawn said, yes, the bread was good, but too thick. Well, if it was any thinner, by the time you shoved all that stuff in it, you wouldn't taste it, would you? I mean, it was, God, we're going back to... Amazon packaging, you might as well just suck slices of cardboard in, really, and just soaked it in fish, because most of it was fish. <laughs> fish and cheese and mayonnaise. Oh, it all made me feel really quite queasy. Oh, I did. Oh, and, and Janusz's fish and chips in a sandwich. I mean, oh, mushy peas and fish and curry sauce. Or covered in refulgent icing. Oh, I mean, it was just not my thing at all. I think sometimes things sound nice and sometimes they just don't. Like, I love a fish finger sandwich, but when you say yeah. fish and chips in a bun with mushy peas and vinegar, I'm like, oh, a step too far. Apparently it was nice, but yeah, it didn't yeah. sound great, did it? 
So they've said it, they said it sounded nice and then cover it in all that yellow curry sauce, cream cheese, I assume, mix. And- I just want to assure our listeners that Jane's absolutely horrified facial expressions are really adding to this. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, I never thought I'd be saying this, but Howard, let's move on to you for some positivity in this challenge. <laughs> I, 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 do you know, I, I agree with Dan. I thought I, I, I had to distance myself uh, from, from Janusz's at one point because I'm not a great fan of curry sauce. But the, I, everything else I could cope with because you, you're right. Um, I'm thinking fish finger sandwiches. I'm thinking chip butties. You know, the, the, there's, a, there's a sort of link there that, that might work. I suppose the, the benefit of a fish finger sandwich is that the fish, fish is warm. And here we were talking about cold fish and chips, weren't we? Which probably has a slightly different quality. But again, I, I would be prepared to... Do you know, it sounds as if I'll eat anything, doesn't it? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was a little bit disappointed, I have to say, uh, with um, Sandro's uh, because I did that. I mean, it looked impressive, sort of like a wedding cake type uh, thing. But I'm thinking these sound incredibly similar to the flavours that you've had in your pizza. So the the honey was swapped for, for maple syrup and the camembert swapped for cream cheese. And then we've got loads of smoky barbecue meat in there. So I didn't think, I, I thought, I was a bit disappointed that there wasn't a bit more variety. But, um, yeah, oh, it's making my mouth water, honestly, thinking about all these. I'm sorry. <laughs> Shabira definitely carried on her flavours from her pizza as well, uh, carrying on with the sambal flavourings as well. Jane, you have your hand beautifully and politely raised. Would you Would you like to say the next comment? No, it's unlike me. I usually just butt in, don't I? <laughs> just while we were talking about Sandro, again, we're going to back to the this is bread week. He said, um, mine's plain old white bread. Easiest thing to do, can't go wrong. No. Oh, I'm sorry, it's a bread week challenge. When we did our showstopper way back, we were told we had to use three different types of flours in ours and make bread work you know and it it's bread it's not what you stick between the layers this is a bread week challenge so i thought i was really disappointed that plain old white bread because it's the easiest thing to do was appearing in the showstopper i mean i love a piece of white bread especially toasted with some good old homemade jam or marmalade but this is a this is bread week. It shouldn't be about the pulled brisket and the barbecue sloppy joe sauce. It should be about the bread. We didn't have many comments about the bread at all. Uh, according to my notes, please do correct me if I'm wrong. Um, I've written down like good bread, dry bread, a bit thick. Most of the comments were really, as you say, about the the sauces and the flavorings. It seemed to be a what do we put on our bread week, not bread week. Dan, what are your comments on the showstopper? Yeah, I I very much agree um, that the bread was not the star. Um, And I thought some of the flavor, I think people just went a bit too nuts. So I have had um, one of these before. I didn't know it was called a smorgasbord, but I've had like a cake, sandwich cake before. But that was, again, very classic. It was salmon, cream cheese and asparagus, the one that I've had. And I think Maxi, because obviously she has Swedish background, knew what was really was required, like just egg and cress sandwich. 
Um, and I thought, yeah, that actually sounds delicious. I, I want to eat an egg and cress sandwich. Thank you very much. I don't necessarily want to eat. Um, well, the chicken souvlaki sounded nice, but obviously the execution was poor, it seems. Um, I love a souvlaki. And Spirit of the Nasi Lamak, I think I met her. I, I don't know what that is, um, but I thought it looked beautiful. But again, it was, was the bread uh, the star? I don't know. At least she put some seeds in her bread. At least she did something with it. Um, Sandro's was the other one that stuck out to me just because he called his bake the ultimate. And I just think that kind of arrogance is you're just waiting to be struck down by God for that. Like And uh, yeah, you never do that. I mean... You know, I like to blow my own trumpet as much as the next man, but um, I think that's just asking for trouble. And uh, yeah, it looks like the barbecue overwhelmed it, as they said. So that was a bit disappointing. So I think a lot of the people who really tried to go big on flavours ended up not pulling it off, which I think was a bit of a shame because the bread wasn't star, the flavours weren't star. So it was a beautiful challenge in terms of like the appearances of some of them were really impressive, which is obviously great television, but I don't know if that translated to anything that I particularly want to eat. Um, I thought Kevin's was... Uh, the execution of the decoration wasn't the best, but it was really fun. It was a fun idea. Um, I like all the sculpting that he did with the cucumber. So um, it might not have been the most sophisticated looking thing, but it was fun. And I enjoyed that. And I also really liked Carol's uh, appearance, despite the fact that somebody said it looked like something Fanny Craddock would have done, which I thought was a huge compliment. It's wretched. It's like sometimes it's not about being trendy it's about like executing a theme and like making something look stylish and i thought she did that it might not have been a style that everybody likes but i liked it i thought it was fun it was re sort of regular it was a look it was a look and i enjoyed that look so i thought the decoration some of the decoration was great but yeah just some of the flavors even if they did work just sounded not the most appealing Jane, what do you think? Well, just going back to Kevin, um, he said he was going to use rubber flour. And I've yes. three times. And I, all I've got is what flour? I couldn't remember what flour it was he was saying he was using. Now, I love a Scottish accent, but they could have actually said, I have no idea what flour it was that he put in here. They said it was like a, a heritage grain. So it'd be something like einkorn or something, right? I don't know. Yeah, but it didn't sound like einkorn, did it? It's, I, I, I was thinking. Dawn used a sort of, she said, an ancient wheat. Oh, that's true. Well. Yes, that's or what I thought was einkorn. grown yeah. it or something, but I couldn't work out what this was at all. But nobody noticed in the judging. Nobody said anything about that, did they? No, they didn't. Again, bread week. Okay. Um, and, and it was Paul who said about Carol's, how very Fanny Craddock, very, uh, how very Fanny Craddock, how very 60s. Well, I looked this thing up because I'd never heard of a smorgasbord before. And all the pictures look very Fanny Craddock and very 60s. Um, my brother lives in Norway, has done for over 40 years he's married to a lovely Norwegian girl and they I mean they are all a bit 60s with their decoration to be perfectly honest and that's fine and Paul does love to throw out that oh god that looks very retro or very Fanny Craddock or very 60s but I agree with you Dan I thought it looked I thought it really looked as charming as a smorgasbord tartar in the Bake Off tent could look 
he's so very unfair with his comments sometimes. It's almost like he takes again somebody and um, chucks out the same old insults year after year. I thought I thought James did well as well this week. I thought he, oh, yes, he did. Yeah, I, I I quite liked his little panda bread and the idea of of that char uh, soup pork with plum sauce actually did sound rather nice. I know they said it was the same all all the way through, but I think that was part of the problem with some of the others that they were trying to put too many contrasting flavors in there, and actually, you know, to put char soup pork. Plum sauce, bit of cucumber. Sounds quite nice, actually. I thought it sounded lovely, and I love those little pandas. I thought they were adorable. Yes, the only one that uh, you noticed that Prue pulled the bread about going, nice bread. Just about to say, that, that so for a decorative piece of bread, it actually looked really nice texture. Like, it, it wasn't some dead dough just to stick on the top. It was fluffy and light. It looked lovely. It was milk bread he used, didn't he? He made a milk bread. Oh, did he? Yes. That would have been delicious. Milk bread. Um, and I thought it was lovely and I thought it was really interesting. Like Kevin, you know, is with, with their decoration. I, I thought they were lovely. Absolutely lovely, rather than doing a three-tier thing that looked like a wedding cake, which didn't appeal to me at all, frankly. I, lo- I did love the... I know Kevin's was a, a couple of layers, but I, I loved the cucumber man. No, I was really disappointed with this challenge. I thought I was going to like it when we started with pizzas, but... It all just sort of fizzled out for me, this this particular episode. So with every week, we have to crown our star baker. And this week it was Janusz coming first in the technical. He definitely did really well, as well as his slightly controversial, but in the end, delicious fish and chip shop, Torta, and his full English breakfast pizza. Jane, star baker for Janusz, good? I found it really hard to choose between them this week. Um, so, yes, Janusz was as good as the others. I think, I, I, I think I've made it clear that I didn't particularly like this. <laughs> I can't get too excited. But Janusz, as always, was enthusiastic and heartwarming. And I think he did as well as, yeah, any of them, really. So. Sound more enthusiastic, Jane. Come on. <laughs> Yes, Janus was fantastic. No, I, you know, I'm, I'm being Mrs. Grumpy this week. I just didn't like the challenges very much. So, uh, yes, well done, Janus, for the second time. Star Baker. Um, shame I didn't pick you for my finalist, but I'm yeah, well done. <laughs> oh, dear. Sorry, everybody. And unfortunately, we do have to send somebody home every week. But this week, Nobody left. What a turn of events. We do often see that when people are ill, as it does kind of maybe become a little unfair to send somebody home, especially when two people are ill. So, Howard, nobody went home this week. Who do you think was very relieved? Oh, yes. I think uh, Dawn had had a bad week, hadn't she? She looked really as if she she was quite nervous all the way through, I thought. Uh, and Carol had just kind of ploughed on uh, regardless. I think Carol is, is, seems to be really enjoying the experience of being in there. Um, so I think it was a huge relief to, to both of them, really. Well, there we go. Thank you so much for joining us, everybody, for listening to episode three of our podcast for this year. I want to say a huge thank you to Dan, Jane and Howard, as always, for joining me and for giving all your wonderful opinions. And thank you also to our listeners. 
We hope we will see you all at a class very, very soon, whether it's Rosie's Chocolate Biscuit Bars class on Saturday, the 22nd of October, Karen's Chocolate Millionaire's Tart on Saturday, the 12th of November, or Ian's Raspberry Entremets on Saturday, the 19th of November. We know you will definitely find the right class for you. So head on over to bakewithalegend.com, use the code PODCAST for 10% off your next booking. We'll see you all very soon at a class and we'll see you next week on our podcast. Bye everyone. You just heard a stripped media production. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.